Well, good morning. So great to see all of you on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Pastor Zach is actually, along with his wife Shannon, in flight. They're in the air right now. My wife is actually on the same flight, and they're making their way to Anaheim for our annual Foursquare Conference. And uh, he'll be back here next weekend bringing the message. But meanwhile, today I have the privilege of bringing the message. And it's a pleasure for me to do that, a privilege. Um, It occurred to me as I was preparing this week that over the past couple of months, maybe a little more, you've been accustomed to me being the announcement guy, right? You've been accustomed to me being the one telling you about what's happening at Grace Covenant. So as I thought about it, I thought, well, I don't want to disappoint. So there is an announcement that I would like to make this morning, but I have to Uh, preface it a little bit. I'll I'll ask a question. How many of you in the room remember as a kid playing marbles? Raise your hand if you played marbles. Yeah, many of us in the room. Some of the younger ones are going, marbles? What's that? (laughs) I I loved to play marbles. I played marbles with my best friend in the neighborhood, Scotty Wyatt, and I loved marbles for several reasons. One is the rules of the game are just really simple. We don't find much like that today. Um, The pace is slow. We don't find many things like that today. But one of the things that I loved about playing marbles is that if you did a marble shot that you didn't like, at least in my neighborhood, if you were quick enough, you could yell, do over. And when you yelled, do over, you got a second chance. So here's my announcement. When you and I decide that we want to live with Jesus in our lives rather than without him. When we say yes to Jesus, when we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died on the cross shedding your blood for the payment of my sin and that you have said that you have forgiveness through that payment and that I can live forever if I will simply believe. When we make that commitment, something happens. We are joined in relationship with Jesus to the Father. And at that moment, guess what? We get a second chance. We get the ultimate do-over, and here's why. Because in Christ, everything changes. Let me say that again. In Christ, everything changes. And that's really what we want to focus on this morning. We want to focus on the truth that in Christ, everything changes. I'd like for you to stand as we prepare to read the Word this morning. We're going to be reading from uh, Colossians Uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3. Colossians gives us some great insight into this truth that I've just spoken of. Um, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read as you follow along uh, Colossians 2 verses 9 through 15, and then you're going to join me and we're going to read together Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4. So I'll start. You, You just listen. For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. 
in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. I love this. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, would you join me as we read beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3? You ready? Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Would you bow your heads as I pray for our time together? Father God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just speak to us today. Open up our hearts as the word is communicated. Jesus, thank you that you died for us and that now through saying yes to you and believing that we enter into a relationship with you and we are in Christ. As Colossians 3 said, our life is hidden with Christ in God. So today, God, we commit our time to you and we ask that we leave through the power of your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, differently than when we came. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I read a very interesting story this week. Uh, The story is about a man by the name of Iru Onoda. Um, I want to share a little bit of his story with you. Iro was a Japanese intelligence officer who continued fighting on a small island in the Philippines for 29 years after World War II had ended. 29 years. Initially, Hiro didn't know that the war had ended, but eventually he came across pamphlets that had been dropped by U.S. military planes declaring that the war was over. But when Hiro read it, he determined it's propaganda. They're trying to deceive me. So he continued on that island fighting a war that did not exist. His surrender only came uh, after his former commanding officer came to the island and ordered him to lay down his arms. And guess what? That didn't happen until 1974. That's amazing, isn't it? For 29 years after the war ended, a man continued to fight a war that did not exist. Um, Think about this. In reality, um, Eros' identity changed the day the war ended. On that day, 
even though he didn't know the war had ended, positionally, he became a civilian. Yet, even when he came across the news that the war had ended, he refused his civilian life and he continued for 29 years to fight a battle that did not exist. He refused his new true identity as a civilian. He actually became his own enemy. Unfortunately, Hero did have an enemy. It was himself. But also, we have to realize we have an enemy, right? The Bible makes it very clear who our enemy is. He is the great deceiver. He is the father of all lies. And as our enemy, his goal, his mission is to lie to us, to steal from us, to bring death to us, and ultimately to destroy us. He is fighting constantly for control of our hearts and our minds. His primary scheme is to keep us from hearing, believing, accepting, and living in our true identity in Christ. And he will use any and every weapon imaginable to keep us living as we were instead of how we now are in Christ. And when we allow ourselves to be lured by his deception, guess what? We find ourselves fighting a battle, fighting a war that no longer exists. Let me, let me tell you what's so cool. You see, we already know how our enemy's story ends, right? Because there is a marked day in history when he was defeated. That marked day was the day of the crucifixion. On that day, when Jesus was on the cross and his blood was shed for the payment that God required for our sin, our enemy, the great deceiver, the father of lies, was defeated. His defeat was sealed when Jesus said, It is finished. I'm going to say that again. Jesus said, It is finished. You know what that means? The cross, the finished work of the cross had the final word. That's why the Apostle Paul can declare, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The strategy of our enemy is to run interference with the truth of the gospel and cause us to think that the old me is never going to go away. But listen, we don't have to be threatened by that strategy. Jesus said, you will know the truth... And what? The truth will set you free. And then Jesus said, I am the truth. So in Christ, we choose Jesus over the deception of the enemy. We live out our true identity through the finished work 
of the cross. Listen, if we walk away with nothing else today, can we walk away with this? In Christ, everything changes. Will you say that with me? In Christ, everything changes. And that's what I want to spend our time focusing on this morning. So um, if you're taking notes, I want to just talk about what I would say are three realities, spiritual realities that flow out of this truth. Uh, I love what Pastor Marcus says, uh, note takers are history makers. So if you're taking notes, the first point is this. In Christ, everything changes and death no longer threatens me. Death no longer threatens me. Um, some here may know this, but for those who don't, um, in 2017, I found out that I was facing some very serious health challenges and that uh, drastic measures were going to need to be taken if I were going to recover. Cammy and I were devastated and caught completely off guard when the doctor said that I was in heart failure, and not just heart failure, but severe heart failure. I wish this morning that I could tell you that when we learned that news, my first response was one of great faith. I wish I could tell you that I began to say things like, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Or that I would have said, Jesus, I contend because by your stripes I am healed. Or even if I had have just said, Jesus, I know you got my back in this. I don't understand it, but I know you're there. Unfortunately, that was not, that was not my first response. Instead, my first response was fear. I became fearful. And somehow in that fear, I was able to dismiss suddenly everything that I knew to be true about God. And then fear invi invited anxiety in. And when fear and anxiety began to work together, I couldn't sleep. Whether it be day or night, I couldn't go to sleep. I didn't sleep for days. And here's why. I heard fear and anxiety whisper, in my ear, if you go to sleep, you might not wake up. If you go to sleep, you might die. Literally, I, I, I couldn't sleep. It, it, it was terrible. Fear and anxiety, death was working overtime, haunting me, harassing me, threatening me. And then one day, I came back to my spiritual senses. And I began to remember what God tells me about me and about life and death. And I remember John 3.16, that God says, I love you so much that I gave you my son, and he died on the cross for you. And if you just simply believe that, you will not die, you will live forever. And then I remembered that in John 10.10, we read where Jesus said, I am the way, he said, um, I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest measure. And in John 14.6, he said, um, he, <laughs> he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then I remembered Psalm 23 that said, even though I walk through the darkest valley of death, 
I will not fear evil because God is with me. And when I began to rehearse what God tells me about life and death, I was reminded of this. It's true. One day, this physical body's going to die. It's just true. That, that's a reality. But because I'm in Christ, my spirit will live on forever. That's why the Apostle Paul could say something like, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. We're never going to die when we're in Christ. Now, there is a reality that we have to consider. Death didn't become a threat to me at the moment I learned I was in heart failure. Death actually began to threaten me, actually began to threaten us at the moment that we were born. It was a spiritual threat because, you see, we were born physically, al uh, physically alive, but we were born spiritually dead. King David really understood this. He talks about it in Psalm 51.5. He says, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Now, how could it be that we would come into the world as a sinner if we've never sinned? Listen, we didn't become sinners because we sinned. We sinned because we came into this world with a nature that was predisposed towards sin. It's our nature. We were born with a sin nature. Um, we have four grandchildren. Our, our youngest uh, grandchild is 10 months old. Actually, our first granddaughter. Uh, her name is Magnolia. We call her Maggie. And um, uh, we get daily reports on her progress. You know, we might get a call and say, she cut her first tooth. Uh, or the call might be, she crawled today. Um, uh, more recently, uh, we would get calls, she's taking some of her first steps. And all of that is so exciting. But two days ago, this is the call we got. This was the update. Maggie learned how to pitch a fit. Well, what's she pitching a fit about? Because she didn't get her way. Because she didn't get to eat the food she wanted. She didn't get to go in the boy's bedroom. She, didn't get, she had to go to sleep when she didn't want to go to sleep. Do you think that Maggie had to learn how to pitch a fit? Let me ask you this. If you have kids, did you have to teach that sweet, cuddly little toddler that you have? Oh, so sweet and warm. Did you have to teach him how to be disobedient? Did you? Did you, did you have to teach him how to be sneaky? Did you have to teach them how to, to throw a temper tantrum? No, they figured it out on their own. And they did because they were born. Their nature was predisposed towards sin. And we are all the same. We were born predisposed towards sin. And because of this, when we were born, we were completely separated from God, dead in our trespasses and our sin. We neither knew God nor did we understand his ways. And as a result, we began to live separately from him. However... Remember, in Christ, everything changes. However, the day that we said yes to Jesus, Jesus, I believe and I accept 
your gift of salvation. On that day, at that moment, our identity changed and we walked into our true identity in Christ. And in Christ, death no longer is a reality. Death is no longer a threat through the cross, the finished work of the cross, death has been rendered powerless over our lives. Why? Because in Christ, everything changes. Would you say that with me again? In Christ, everything changes. Here's the second point. In Christ, everything changes and sin no longer controls me. We just talked a little bit about sin. Uh, we learned a few things when we were uh, reading Colossians chapter 2. We learned that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but now we are alive. We learned that Jesus canceled the debt of sin with his blood sacrifice, and we learned that he nailed the charges that had been written against us. He nailed them to the cross. And then, listen to this, we learned that he stripped away the power of sin along with its control in our life. That's something to get really excited about. He stripped away the power of sin along with its control in our lives. Who would confess this morning that, you don't even have to raise your hand to this because it's going to be true of all of us, that sin is very real and that there are times where we feel or we know that sin is waging a battle against us, sin is trying to take us down. We've all experienced that. It's just part of life because of the world we live in and sin entered into the world. Well, here's the good news. While sin is powerful in Christ, we are not powerless. Listen, you and I, in Christ, we are not obligated to bow down to sin. How is this so? Well, we know how sin came into the world. It came in through Adam's disobedience. And sin's relationship with the world hasn't changed. But listen, in Christ, our relationship with sin has changed. Listen to Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So listen to this. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, listen to this. We were set free from the power of sin. Can we thank God for the gift of Jesus Christ on the cross that we were set free from the power of sin? Here's the truth about sin. Sin's not going away. Sin is still present. Sin is still powerful. Sin, sin is still appealing. Sin is still alluring. But remember, and I'll say it again, in Christ Everything changes. So now, because we're in Christ, and I want you to believe this, because this is the power that we have. When we're tempted to sin, you know what we can say? No, I don't have to do that. Sin 
God's word tells me that you've been stripped of your power. You've been given notice. You are no longer my boss. What would happen in our lives if we began to practice that every time we were tempted? We just say, no, I don't have to do that. I'm no longer obligated to you, sin. You've been given notice. Jesus said, it is finished. Sin, you no longer control me. Why? Because in Christ, everything changes. Are you getting that message this morning? In Christ, what? Yeah, everything changes. Here's the final point. Um, In Christ, everything changes, and my past no longer defines me. My past no longer defines me. I want to step into this final point with a story. It's actually a story about my mom. My mom passed away in 2017. Uh, She was 94 years old. Um, She was born in 1923, and her birth, uh, all that surrounded her birth, it was just filled with, with great mystery. Uh, shortly after she was born, her biological parents placed her in an orphanage in Alabama. And um, not long after that, a young couple by the name of uh, Harvey and Pearl Branham came to the orphanage, and they took my mom into their home, and they gave her the name Elizabeth. Even in their home, it became very apparent there was still great mystery. You'd think that coming into her home, their home would solve that, but there was, there was some secret. There was great mystery surrounding this. There were family members who knew, supposedly knew what the secret was, but they took a solemn oath that they would go to their grave and never tell the story. And guess what? They did. The family members who supposedly knew they died, they never, they were like a vault. They never told the story. There was great mystery. Uh, One particularly strange childhood uh, event that happened, it happened in 1930. 1930 was a census year. And what my mom remembered most is this is the, the census takers. They, you didn't get your census in the mail. The census takers came to your house and they counted the people in your home and maybe asked some other questions. But what she remembers or remembered most about that day is when the census takers came to their home to count everyone in the home. Rather than my mom being counted with all the family members, they took her and they hid her in a closet. Yeah, they, they hid her in a closet. I, I, imagine the impact. Um, being hid in that closet only brought greater confusion. Um, and it was a, a, a marked day where she began to live out an identity. It's where this identity began to enter into her heart that I'm not important, I don't count. You see where she could get that. She, did, she literally didn't get counted. I'm not important, and I don't count. That was the first of many encounters that just embedded this false identity deep into her heart, into her spirit. 
I'm not important, and I don't count. And she, unfortunately, lived with that false identity throughout her life. Well, uh, when she was in her mid-80s, there were some laws that changed in the state of Alabama, and birth records that had been sealed could be unsealed. And my brother did some great detective work, and he was able to get those records, those unsealed records, and he was able to tell my mom who her mother and father, her biological mother and father was. And you would think with that, well, let me just say, she, she did find her, her biological identity, but unfortunately, she did not begin to live out her true identity because my mom, even though she had confessed Jesus as her Savior as an older teen, for years she had been carrying around the hurts and the scars and the wounds and the rejections of the past. She was unable, because they were so heavy, she was unable to accept who she was in Christ, and that in Christ is her true identity. And unfortunately, because of the weight of carrying those hurts and wounds and rejections around for all those years, it affected uh, all of her relationships. It affected how she dealt with people because she continued to have a false identity. I'm not important, and I don't count. I tell you that story this morning because it prompts me to ask you a question. While it may be very different than my mom's story, I want to ask you, do you have your own false identity story? Have you been listening to the great deceiver, the father of lies, as he speaks words that are not in alignment with who you are in Christ? Do you have a false identity story? Have you been carrying around hurts and wounds and scars, uh, rejections uh, from the the past? If that's true, I want you to listen to this. Your past no longer defines you because in Christ, everything changes. Do you hear that? Your past no matter how messy, no matter how dark, no matter how poor the decisions you made, no matter how bad or how evil the choices you made. When you said yes to Jesus, when you came into relationship, at that moment, the old was gone, you became a new creation, and the new is here. That's what God's gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, did for you. Maybe throughout your life you've been walking with guilt and shame and condemnation. Um, Maybe your past was one of failures and now you've accepted an identity that said, I'll never get it right. Um, Maybe your past was filled with rejection And you've accepted a false identity of, I'm unlovable. Here's what I want you to know this morning. No matter how dark, how messy, how bad your past may have been, in Christ, there is no guilt, there is no shame, there is no condemnation. Instead, in Christ, you have been given a fresh start the ultimate do-over, 
and a new identity. You are accepted, you are loved, and you are forgiven. You know, God spoke to the prophet Isaiah uh, about Israel's past. But I think it's a very appropriate word for today. It comes from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 to 19. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Listen to this. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Listen, that word is for you today if you've been living with a false identity. I'm going to ask you to stand. As you notice, the worship team has assembled here on the platform. We're going to sing a song of declaration. It's a powerful song. And the song is, I am all he says I am. And as we sing this, I would just ask you, can you make this your declaration today? I'm not going to believe that the old me is never going to weigh, but instead I choose to walk out my true identity in Christ because now today I am sure of the fact that in Christ everything changes. Would you make this declaration? Let God do work in your heart right now.